0: Hello and welcome back to Ruben and Cut. Yes, yes, I know it's another movie review. I, uh, and I know, I know, I haven't had anyone, I haven't had many people on my podcast to just have, like, regular conversations lately. I need to get back to that, but, you know, uh, I've got the social anxiety and whatnot, so it's hard for me to commit to things. But also, I, uh, just, uh, it has now been confirmed, I am on the autism spectrum, it's it's official. Got the numbers back. Pretty autistic. Scores were kind of all over the place. There were some places where I I scored close to normal, but uh, there was a lot of stuff where it was like, oh, that's that's way over the cutoff for autism. <laughs> so yeah, I got the tisms, but I'm not here to talk about that today. I got I'm gonna have to do a uh, a different episode about that. Today I'm not like I was saying uh, not here to talk about my autism. I'm talk, here to talk about something related to my autism, which is superheroes. Today's specific superhero is Blue Beetle. Now, Blue Beetle has a long history in comic books. Hold on, let me make sure I, I want to make sure I get my facts right. All right, but Blue Beetle has been around for a long time. Uh, believe it or not now. Blue Beetle has finally gotten his first big movie. Now, let's talk about the movie first. Okay, so the movie, just to give this out generally in front, I really enjoyed the Blue Beetle movie. I thought it was actually surprisingly good for a movie that was originally intended to be a straight to HBO Max type of deal. At no point did it not feel like it was meant for a big screen movie theater um and generally speaking um i only and i've only seen it once so maybe there's more but i there was only one scene in the movie where i was like the cgi could be better so that puts it above the flash in terms of cgi which is it's fair even though i liked the flash it it's got some bad bad cgi in it <clears throat> undeniable Blue Beetle, not so much. Now, a thing I have noticed is that a major theme that's been going around in comic book movies lately, pretty much almost this entire year, is um, the theme of family. Family is huge in comic book movies this year. Now, to be fair, families have always kind of played a part into comic book uh, stories, especially superheroes now but frequently um in sort of a tragic way like the batman movies put a heavy emphasis on batman's parents but you know they're dead and then of course spider-man he's raised by his aunt and his uncle and his uncle is dead and and so that's that's what you know about them but the way they related to those dead family members plays a heavy role into it. And also with Batman, you got the whole, Batman has like one biological son and, and three adopted ones that make up the Bat family. Yeah. Uh, Where was I going with this? Right. But movies, this kind of movies this year have really um, heavily played into the family themes. Now, arguably, The Flash is really more about learning how to let go of things in your past that you you can't change. Um, But in The Flash, that emphasis is also still heavily on his family. It's all about him wanting to get his dad out of jail and save his mom's life. So so we see family there as well. Now. This movie, however, um, as well as the Ninja Turtles movies, uh, the, the Across the Spider-Verse, all had heavily heavy family themes. I mean, that's almost entirely what Teenage mutant Ninja Turtles was really all about, was a family. And then uh Across the Spider-Verse, heavily related to the characters' relationships with their parents. Once again, I feel like I'm forgetting, I feel like I'm forgetting a comic book movie off the top of my head. Oh, right. Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, Ant-Man and Shazam. Oh, my God. They all. Yeah, it's all family shit. It's all family stuff. Family stuff throughout. <laughs> I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy is more of like, uh, I mean, it's it's still about family, but it it is more of a like alternative family setup. But all these comic book movies this year, basically, they're about family. And it, it's interesting. It's interesting that that is a theme that has perpetuated itself so thoroughly um it's interesting how these things kind of happen like in 2020 i don't i didn't i've never heard anyone else bring this up but in 2020 um almost entirely superhero movies that featured a female main character um yeah no it happened in 2020 of all years how fucking ridiculous is that blue beetle is really about family. There is a heavy emphasis on family in this movie. It really, the way it all comes together, and also the family is just a lot of fun in the movie. But maybe I should talk about who Blue Beetle is first to get you up to speed on that. Blue Beetle is a superhero who has had multiple different iterations. Now, part of the thing that the movie has kind of been criticized for is that it doesn't have a lot of, like, things that we haven't seen superhero-wise, which is why the movie kind of has to lean in to character. Like, it's very much a care. If you like this movie, it's because you liked Blue Beetle as a character and you dug his family and the world that it was building. Is there a lot of different... Does it bring anything new superhero-wise specifically? The answer is no. Now, in fairness, this is partly because Blue Beetle himself, not the most original guy uh, as far as superheroes go. The first Blue Beetle was a guy named Dan Garrett, who first appeared in Fox Comics' Mystery Men Comics Number 1, unrelated to the Mystery Men's movie, although that is a good movie. It was cre- with art created by Charles Nicholas Would just, would, what? Something crazy Polish. Though the Grand Comics database tentatively edited credits Will Eisner as the scripter. But basically, Dan was a rookie police officer and he wore a special bulletproof costume and took drugs, Uh, specifically something called Vitamin 2X, which endowed him with super energy. And he was assisted by a neighborhood pharmacist in his fight against crime. Holy sh. In the 1930s, people really, really wanted to. We were really un we were really comfortable with drugs in the 19 uh in the 1930s. That's what I'm getting here. Uh now in the 50s, uh Blue Beetle was then later reprinted by Charlton Comics, um, who would later be bought by would later be bought by DC and uh would take over all of their, you know various characters charlton comics did begin publishing a new series of blue beetle uh, which revamped the character quite a bit reinventing him as a university professor and altering the spelling of the name to dan garrett uh, i'm sorry i didn't spell it the first time so it was first spell dan garrett with uh with one t at the end and then they changed it to dan garrett with two t's at the end so they changed him from being a cop to a college professor. And in this one, this is the one that is more relevant for this movie. Dan Garrett got a hold of a mystical scarab that the him superpowers uh, to be Blue Beetle. So I, it, I guess in the 50s, people were starting to be like, no drugs. I mean, actually, I, I think that actually was part of the Comics Code Authority um, saying you, you can't show drug use. Maybe not show drug use in a positive way. I don't know, I'd have to look up the comic because the story's actual standards. Later, Blue Beetle got reinvented again as a set of backup stories uh, published in Captain Atom. Now this version of Blue Beetle was written by Steve Ditko. And this is actually probably the most famous version of, of Blue Beetle prior to the new version who's in the movie. Which was a character called Ted Cord. Now, um, this Blue Beetle took over the took over the job after Dan Garrett apparently dies. Um, Now Steve Ditko, he was a crazy libertarian guy, so of course Cord kind of embodies some of these. So he's got part of his character is stuff like he's an inventor, which you know Randians love that shit. Now the thing is, is that this version he didn't use mystical powers or take drugs. He just made a bunch of like wacky sci-fi weapons, which ironically transformed him from being kind of a Captain America ripoff to being more of a Batman ripoff, which is kind of the accurate description of these. Uh, this Blue Beetle would later go on to also become a, a, a billionaire character as he's depicted in, in DC, as DC Comics depicted him. Now the other thing here is if you start being like feeling like there's other things in this movie that feel sort of familiar beyond just, you know, some of the commonalities to other superheroes like Batman, uh, it's worth noting that the character Night Owl in the movie The Watchmen is heavily based off of Blue Beetle. So when you see the the Beetle ship in the blue beetle movie and you think to yourself hey that reminds me of the flying machine from the watchman it's it's because it is the flying machine from a watchman with a different coat of paint because the however watchman was basing it off of this so don't take it too hardly on uh, on blue beetle the ted cord version of blue beetle would then also go on to be part of the justice league and he very very connected um to the larger dc universe became mostly famous for being friends with notorious time traveling douchebag booster gold uh who was also on the justice league with him back when the justice league went through a period where it was essentially a sitcom uh a brilliant sitcom but a sitcom nonetheless ted cord however would also be killed off by jeff johns in uh countdown to infinite crisis where Blue Beetle is shot in the head by one Maxwell Lord. Yes, the main baddie from, from Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, just Wonder Woman eighty four, whatever. The point is, yes, Maxwell Lord, in the comics, he's a little different. And he, he, he murders Blue Beetle. Which then brings us to the contemporary Blue Beetle that we have today, Jaime Reyes. Now, in this version, we've brought back the scarab, the Dan Garrett who didn't take drugs and was a co- and was a professor, not a cop. It, it, it's 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 interesting that the original Blue Beetle was a cop who took drugs. It's kind of funny now that I'm thinking about it, um, but but we're not we don't have to worry about that Blue Beetle because we got this Blue Beetle here, and uh, he is he is not. Not related to the cop who took drugs, but instead, the college professor who had a magic beetle statue thing. So that's the one that Jaime Reyes gets his powers from. Now Ted Cord, in in continuity of both the movie and the comics, couldn't uh, couldn't get the the scarab to work for him, which is why he invented all the wacky stuff that he did, and also why the Ted Cord version was. Was a lot like Batman. There's there's no real no real denying that. But the TED Cord version of Blue Beetle was in fact created by Steve Ditko. I already said that, but let's move along. Because we've finally caught up to Jaime Reyes. And Jaime Reyes is important for a couple of reasons. One he is in fact actually one of the highest profile latino superheroes currently in comics today unless you count miles morales who is who who is half uh wait is he half hispanic or half latino i don't know how it i always forget how that works but the point is is that um and also like we i think we think of miles morales as black first but which is kind of Unfair and racist, maybe. I don't know. How does racism even work anymore? That's that's a comment I'm gonna regret saying. People are gonna take that the wrong way. I know how I know how racism works. We've gotten sidetracked. Right. Jaime Reyes is a is a is a Latino man. Now in the comics, he lives in El Paso, Texas. But um but in this, but in the movie. And maybe this is something that's happened in the comics more recently. I'm not sure. I'd be lying if I said I was familiar with his character from reading his own comics. I'm more familiar with Jaime Reyes because Jaime Reyes has made cameos and appearances in a lot of different uh, series, Um, including Batman, the Brave and the Bold. I'm talking about the cartoon series. Um, Young Justice, he's a big part of that. So... I'm more familiar with Jaime Reyes from these things. Now, in the movie, he lives in some place called uh, Palmera, Palmera City, and and it's they call it as being part of the Keys or whatever. Oh, his sister's name is Milargo. Resisting making a Trump golfing joke. Oh. I didn't know that. Apparently the movie was released early in El Paso, Texas. I had a hard time figuring out, I'm tr- sorry, I'm trying to figure out, trying to figure out where the movie actually takes place. It takes place in I f- uh, I don't think Palmera City is a, is a real place. I, it sounded like a DC place. That's, it's a real place, I'm gonna feel stupid. The film intertwines and Reyes' story is centering around the latter after he comes back to the fictional Palmyra City in Texas. Okay, Palmyra City is in Texas. I was confused because it feels, they keep referencing it as the keys and just apparently in DC universe, there is like a Key West set of islands, Key West style set of islands off the edge of Texas, uh, apparently. Because that's, that's kind of how they talk about it. But, okay, so it is in Texas. I just couldn't tell because it was like the tropical area of Texas. Apparently, some of the movie was shot in Puerto Rico. But anyways, the movie opens. Uh, first of all, the movie opens, and we're actually introduced to the villains first, which is interesting. Um, this is a thing we actually do in comic book movies a lot, although typically in sequels. Because typically as the antagonist we should really meet the we should really meet the the villain second but in this situation the villains arrive at the at the point of drama first in their introduction but this habit comic book movies do this all the time and you know why should we live by the rules of the greeks all the time you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying they're dead we, we don't have to we don't have to be the greeks all the time you know what I'm you know all right but anyways there are still greek people i mean the ancient greeks are dead Moving along, but the start of the movie, we meet Susan Sarandon, and uh, you know what, let's pull up the cast list. Susan Sarandon plays Ted Cord's uh, sister, uh, and uh, she, she sucks. I, I mean, her character is, is a bad person. Uh, she's called Victoria Cord, and honestly, I, I thought Susan Sarandon did a good job in the movie. I don't think she's one of the standout parts of the movie but she does a really good job. I mean it's Susan Sarandon, she's not going to do a bad job. What's wrong with you? But we're also introduced to her with um with with her with her like muscle ca- with her like muscle character if you will. You know, the cuz she's like the Lex character and so she needs the muscle character. And in this case it's it's Conrad Karapax, Uh who is played by Raul Trulio. I actually think I did a good job pronouncing that one. Could be totally off base. But uh, he he does a really good job in the movie. He, he, he is actually kind of like one of the highlights of the movie as far as the villain goes. Now, in fairness, if you're not super familiar with like Central American history, um, you may not realize like how dark his character really is because one of the first thing one of the things that we're told about his character uh i think fairly early in the movie if i'm remembering correctly i've only seen it once so far uh is that he is someone who was trained as part of the school of the americas now this is a real thing where the cia under george h.w bush when he was president went to like central america central and south america essentially trained death squads uh to fight communism and it was uh it was bad it was real real bad because uh they trained these these deaths these people and they basically just became death squads who went around like massacring and you know like generally war criming uh civilian population and so like that's one of the that's one of the things we are told about raul truly uh, Trulio's character conrad carapax uh, he he is a he is a bad dude uh in that regard he has a very, that is a very that is, that alone would make his character a very dark character but we learn more i'm not going to spoil it but we learn more about his character later on near the end of the film uh, he he is just a like i think he is a i think they do a great job with him I have only one complaint about Conrad Karapax, and it's not his fault. It's a, it's more of a design choice. We're gonna get to that in a minute because I don't want to get it too far ahead of myself here. But uh, because we're next introduced to the to the here, oh, we're uh, also um the guy who plays Guillermo on uh what we do in the shadows is in the is in the sh- is in the movie as uh actually this is fucked up because. Google has him listed as Dr. Sanchez. It's not actually his name. That's just what Susan Sarandon's character calls him in the movie. He's actually got like a completely different, um, very, 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 like, very Mexican name. But uh, I do think it's fucked up that Google has him as Dr. Sanchez. I hope IMDb has his character's actual name. Uh, but he, he's on Team Batty. But where was I? Yes. So the next thing we're introduced to, though, of course, is uh, is uh, Blue Beetle and his family. Now, the main character, Blue Beetle, uh, Jaime Reyes, is played by, and I'm, I don't know how, I'm not familiar enough with Spanish to know how I'm supposed to pronounce the X, uh, so I'm just going to try my best here. Uh Zolo Medwer Medwer Medwerna Merduer, Merduer, meduena meduena I'm trying people I'm trying really hard I can't there's a lot of white names I can't say either You know most of them are Polish or Scandinavian or Irish ironically But anyways uh he 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 has just graduated from college and it's implied he went to college in Gotham because he, he has a uh, he has like he's got a jersey he's got like a a hoodie from a university that says gotham uh the gotham law which i'm gonna guess is the name of their sports team although you know i took it as a sports team when i first saw him wearing it but now i'm realizing he did go for pre-law which i don't know how like i don't know how law degrees work but like can you do something with pre-law like what is what like? Can you be a lawyer with just a pre law degree, or would he have to go back to school to get like more education? Can you pass the bar with just that type of degree? I don't know because he seems like he thinks this degree is really gonna uh, save him and his family. Like he's gonna get a good job with it. And I'm not. I don't know enough about law degrees to tell you how realistic that assumption is. But anyways, character Jaime Reyes, and he comes back and he he meets up with his family. And his family, his family is delightful. Just absolutely like him and his connection to his family really is the heart and soul of the movie. Like the way they all play into each other is really, really good, in my opinion. Um, And his family includes people like his uncle Rudy played by George Lopez, who is quite the scene stealer. I can't lie. Like George Lopez looks like he is having the time of his life the entire movie and he plays like the the paranoid conspiracy theory uncle uh which is why it's totally in character for him to say things like batman is a fascist like some people had a problem with that because some people are sensitive little bitches but like i think it's funny that certain characters in the dc universe would think of batman as a fascist i don't think batman's a fascist i'm not here to get into politics a batman right now but i just want to say i don't believe he is a fascist but he does there is one way in which he operates like a fascist but we're not here to talk about that right now uh, of course there's also his sister milargo reyes um who i briefly mentioned earlier but she's played by uh, belissa escobedo and uh she's really fun because she's like the cynical one in the family you know you know how it is and she's always very sarcastic and whatnot i i find her relatable and, of course, uh, then there's, fa- here's his, there's Jaime's father, Alberto Reyes, played by Damien Alcazar. And uh, he, he, he also does a great job. He, he may not be one of the most standout members of the family, in my opinion. But, like, there are no bad members of the family. Like, everyone here is doing good and, having, and appears to be having a great time doing it. But, of course, many people are, uh, of course, then there's his mom. Alpida El, Carrillo, who plays his mom, Ra- Ra- uh, Rocio Reyes. I wish I remember how they had pronu- I if I I wish I could remember how they pronounced her name in the movie. And the, but the standout has got to be the grandma, Nana Reyes, played by Adriana Barraza. These are my best guesses. If I've done horribly, I ask for your forgiveness. But the family dynamic in the movie is great. I don't think any member of the family is bad. And I think they all look like they're having a great time. They just really vibe. It, it's, it grounds the movie really beautifully. I mean, some people might have a problem with the amount of comedy that comes out of it. But like honestly, in my opinion, it's not a matter of a movie having too much comedy, but like how the comedy is used in the movie. And I feel like the dramatic moments in Blue Beetle are generally allowed to breathe. Um, The one exception to this is the first transformation into Blue Beetle. Um, It starts off of a very comedic soundtrack choice and then moves into the serious uh, soundtrack choice. But I do feel like they could have done that whole sequence with the serious soundtrack choice. We didn't need the comedic soundtrack choice. We could have played into that. I, I'm just saying, I feel like we could have played into the body horror moment of that moment because it is, the Blue Beetle is a little body horror. And this, this is one of the things that the movie is going to come up with against. Because So let me describe Jaime Reyes' Blue Beetle powers to you. And these are the same as they are in the comic book. The thing about his powers is that power-wise, he is essentially a cross- Between uh, Iron Man and Venom. Uh, Because the Scarab essentially gives him an Iron Man suit but also gives him the, well, it's symbiotic to him and it can talk to him in his head and also can form and also can manipulate uh, the suit to form constructs the way that actually better than the way Venom does because his is more like The way he forms constructs, is closer to like a... No, not even Green Lantern. Those are made of light. But the point is is that this combination means that even though it's a a clever, unique combination of two different superhero sort of set of powers, it's... You've still kind of seen these elements before. They've just been remixed here into a nice sort of like interesting fusion. I feel like there's a joke about... uh, found Mexican food in there somewhere, but uh, I don't know enough about fusion to fusion restaurants to, to totally hit on it. Now, another great part is uh, Ginny Cord. This is Ted Cord's daughter, who is played by uh, Bruna mark Mar- Mar- Mark Marquezine Ooh, I bet it is pronounced marquezian I don't know that for sure, but that's my that's my best guess. Kind of looks like that's what that might spell where is i right right so basically we meet jenny who is essentially trying to stop victoria cord who wants cord industries to go in a weapon manufacturing direction and she would like to go in the and jenny would like to go in the opposite direction the direction her father wanted to go in of course victoria cord is evil and wants money and you know this is a movie, unlike Iron Man which was created by which uh was created co-created by Steve Ditko. Uh this movie's not trying to get us to like a war criminal. So just throwing that out there. Oh, Steve Ditko. <sighs> you hilarious libertarian fascist. <sighs> Sometimes I want to shit on Steve Ditko, but like he was a very talented artist and also, you know, like any shitting on steve ditko would essentially be kicking a man who never caught who almost never caught a break in his life i mean like it's hard to stay mad at him for his politics when like he didn't like he he just didn't get anywhere and you can say oh but he's a famous comic book artist yeah but he was a famous comic book artist for marvel which means he got a hundred percent fucked over uh it, But we're not here to get into that. Going back to Blue Beetle, the movie. Sorry, I geek out on comic book stuff a lot. But anyways, back to Blue Beetle, the movie. So Jenny, of course, wants to stop Victoria. So of course she steals the blue, the uh, the scarab and gives it to Jaime because she needs some way to get it out of the building, which is about to go into lockdown. And Jaime, Jaime doesn't understand what it is. And, when, and his family essentially forces him to peek at it, and when they do, the scarab chooses Jaime and get, and fuses with him. Oh God, there are a lot of fusion restaurant jokes they'd be making in here, aren't there? So basically, fuses with him, he gets to know Kaji Da, who, who is the sentience inside of the beetle, played by Becky G. I don't, I'm not familiar with Becky G, uh, the name like that, it, it may, leads me to believe that they are some type of maybe DJ? Uh, I don't know. Maybe social influencer? I don't know. Mr. Beast had a cameo in Ninja Turtles. I, I believe anything's possible at this point. But anyways, the f- the film... <clears throat> the film also gr- essentially gradually reveals to us that uh, Victoria Chords plan is to use the scarab to power her omacs now in the comic book world omac is actually a fascinating comic book character that this and this is the first time i think omac has been brought to life on the big screen um omac is a type of armor in uh that essentially fuses with the person also <laughs> Uh, Omac was created by Jack Kirby during his DC days. Um, I highly recommend Omac. It is a wild sci fi comic. It's supposed to take place in the dystopian future of the DC universe. Um, now, in the comics, the Omac is connected to a supercomputer called Brother I, spelled E Y E, who is a satellite created by Batman. Now, this movie doesn't bring in Brother Eye, but um, I kind of hope the sequels do. Because I also kind of hope, and this is my one, I had to bring this up, even though it's minorly spoilery, because one of my main, my only true complaint about the movie, like, besides the, like, fact that it doesn't bring anything new to the superhero genre itself, other than being the first uh, main the first first comic book movie where it features a Latino main character. I guess I should say major comic book movie. Um, My major real complaint here is just the way the OMAC looks. Like, like I get that they made him red instead of blue because he's got a contrast with Blue Beetle. I'm fine with that. My major complaint with the OMAC is they didn't give him a fin or a mohawk. Like the original Omac had a mohawk and then when they brought him back in the comics he had a fin on top of his head. They, they didn't even try to do that here and I'm not going to lie, kind of pisses me off. They sh- why is he should have a fin? If you make it, if the Omacs reappear in the sequels, please, please, please put a fin on top of that thing. I it, So here's the other thing, like the OMAX are, the OMAX in the comics don't look like this also in terms of like, in this movie, they are made to look more Iron Man. And I don't think that does the movie any favors, especially when they pull out a laser whip later in the movie and it's like, well, now it looks like Whiplash. I think that that design choice is a mistake. Um, It doesn't look like an OMAC. It makes it look too much like an Iron Man thing. They should have, they would have benefited from making OMAC look more like the comics and less like Iron Man. There, that is my major, major complaint with the movie. The movie is also loaded Loaded with uh, references to to Mexican culture. Um, I didn't. I'm sure I didn't get all of them. I just, you know, because I went through a period as a huge conspiracy theory person. I knew what the School of the Americas was, by the way, School of Americas is confirmed. We have the documents. It's even though it is a conspiracy theory path that brings you to that knowledge. That is one that we know is real so everyone knows i don't want you to think that's conspiracy theory that thing happened we know for sure it's not just a theory it's conspiracy fact it's conspiracy fact now another thing that's a little bit weird about the movie is the movie's morality because it it really the movie's morality plays by some sort of the same rules as alfred gets to have a shotgun And what I mean by that is that in the comics, Alfred, who is technically a member of the Bat family, gets to shoot and kill people. He's killed a few people with a gun. Um, Why Alfred is the only member of the Bat family who is exempt from this thing, not really sure. But he is. I mean, maybe is it because he's an old butler? Maybe. Maybe but the morality of the Batman crew is typically no killing unless you're Alfred. Alfred gets to kill people. And this movie kind of runs on that logic. Blue Beetle himself, it personally, like the only way to interpret it is that like, it is a, it is a Jaime thing that like Jaime Reyes himself is anti-kill. And that sort of as he merges with the, the Blue Beetle, it also becomes Blue Beetle's ethos as they, ethos as they become one. However, most of the people in his family killed some people. Uh, George Lopez definitely killed some people. Rudy Reyes killed some people. Milargo Reyes killed some people. We never see it, but it's heavily implied that Rocio Reyes killed some people. Nana Reyes definitely killed some people. Like, 100%. So, the no-kill rule only applies to the superhero in this situation. His family can pretty much kill whoever they need to to survive. And I mean, like, how do you make sense of that morality entirely, you know? Blue Beetle also does the thing where, like, at one point in the movie, there's a moment where he could have saved a bad guy, but then he doesn't? Now, to be fair, then he doesn't, you know, like Batman Begins. So, the morality is a little bit wonky. I always say that those are my two real criticisms of the movie. Um, I would also say the movie, I think, relies a little bit too much on pop music. Um, Thanks a lot, James Gunn. I, I, I think we can blame you for that becoming a major part of superhero movies. Even though you did do it really well, can't can't argue with that. Better than your imitators, typically. That reminds me. Um, the movie also does that. The movie also does that thing that James Gunn did in the Suicide Squad, where like, it essentially uses almost like set up scenery type things as like title cards or locate or like things that tell you where you are. I don't know if that was at one point like they intended for that to be an overarching thing in DC movies going forward, or if like they just were like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that too. I'm not sure. But overall, and I, so I'll, I'll I'll end this here before I go into um, a more spoilery section. Um, overall, honestly, I thought Blue Beetle was great. Um, it's not revolutionary in any particular way, but it is a good time. It's funny, it's action-packed, it's it's solid. Blue Beetle is solid. Blue Beetle is a solid good time. It's fun. Actually, I'm just gonna start repeating myself. Go see Blue Beetle. It's absolutely worth your time if you're looking for some good family fun if you are the lone non-killer in a in a in a family full of you know killers please like and subscribe check out the youtube channel if you want to email the show you can email me email me at rubenuncut at gmail.com are they gone everybody who hasn't seen the movie yet because this is the spoiler section here I just wanted to fit. I just wanted to wrap up a couple of quick spoiler things. Um, Nana being a previous like Central American revolutionary, kind of fucking awesome. Um, some people are going to think that's silly, but like that's literally a thing that could happen. Like you could literally find out that your uh, Central American grandmother, like previously, was part of a revolutionary group that like led raids and (laughs) and and fought people in guerrilla warfare it's totally that could be a thing uh some i mean like everybody a bunch of people are 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 close to famous people also you know uh George lopez was just a lot of fun i can't i can't like I, I mean, like George Lopez is someone who like has only mostly been in the periphery of of my uh, of my awareness. Like I, he pops up in places, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Um, but honestly, like he he just he was a lot of fun in this. Um, the fact that he was the guy who ends up driving the uh, the beetle. I forget what they call the the, the beetle ship. I know the Watchmen ship is called Archimedes, but it's shaped like an owl instead of a beetle. Through what they call it. But I thought it was really fun when he drove it. The, I, the one moment of them killing somebody that keeps popping into my mind beyond grandma with the freaking chain gun, uh, minigun. What do you want to call it? Gat, laser gatling thing? Just mowing people down. Also, Ted Cord, what I don't remember you building lethal weapons before. What's up with that, Ted? What's up with that? Why you just got a fucking mis- laser machine gun in your in your beetle in your beetle drone? Like, not a single not a single person on that team had the flash gun that blinds people. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know all of Ted's inventions. I just remember the flash. <laughs> After credit seed where Ted Cord is still alive. Um, honestly, that could be really cool. I don't know who's going to play Ted Cord, but like, honestly, I'd love to see that sequel. That'd be cool as shit to see Ted Cord uh, co- come into the story. Um, Ted Cord is one of the most famous versions of blue beetle. And also because of his part in justice league in the nineties, probably one of the most popular blue beetles. I mean, unless you want to make an argument that Night Owl is is more popular than any version of Blue Beetle, which y- you could probably make that argument. <clears throat> uh, but the death, the, the family kill I always think of is when George, is when George Lopez is pilot, piloting the Beetle in its like Nightcrawler mode, and it just fucking steps on that guy and goes right through his chest. <laughs> like the Beatles legs aren't aren't so big that they're just gonna crush you it like goes into him it's like oh shit that's 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 a gnarly way to go bro um I didn't talk too much about it but Jenny as the love interest for Jaime I thought that was great I thought they had thought they were I thought they were doing good with that um, it was a little cliche, like there were, it was, there were moments where it was a little cliche, like the, the part at, uh, the, the part where uh, George Lopez walked in on them right before they could kiss, like, you know what, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind if we broke the, like, I wouldn't mind if we broke some of these cliches, you know, like, the trope is that they kiss near the end either after the adventure is being completed or right before like the final confrontation. Those are the, that is the trope of the first kiss. Um, Honestly, I think it would have been cool to break that trope or to subvert that trope and have him kiss in that scene where Rudy walked in instead. That's just my opinion. It's a minor thing, not really a complaint, just saying uh what else we got what else we got um carapax man carapax um i thought carapax was great um to be honest i actually think that i i would make an argument for him being maybe not top five dc villains but like he's in the i would put him in the top 10 currently of villains that have been in movies um, most of my complaints about his character are aesthetic. Um, I thought the actor did a great job and his, back, his background was so much darker than I would have anticipated. Like when I heard Susan Sarandon mention that he was trained in the School of the Americas, my actual thought in the movie theater was like, holy shit. Because I knew what that was. I don't know if anyone else in the movie theater knew what that was, but I knew what that was. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's dark. Holy shit. Oh man, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a pull. An improv we call making a reference to uh, something. Never mind. Uh but it is. It was. I was like, Ooh, that's not just a deep cut. That's a dark cut. Um, and they probably got away with it because, like, studio executives be like. Oh okay, oh, I don't know what that means. I don't know. This movie's rated PG thirteen. Click. Uh, it, it it doesn't deserve to be rated R in any way. I'm just saying. Like, Whoo. Um, but then also when we got to see Carapax's um pre in the Death Squad, they don't actually show us much of him in the Death Squad. Um, but like pre that, uh. We 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 see his his backstory. We see that it was um, a cord missile that killed his family. Um, like although that was like that like it's a th- like even now I'm thinking about that. Like I think that's I think for storytelling reasons that's a great choice. However, it just compounds the fact that they made him look so much that they gave him this more Iron Man look than a than a fucking OMAC look and. <clears throat> It just it just draws more of a oh he's evil Iron Man. Which isn't entirely fair because he comes from like the opposite angle of, of Iron Man. He's like someone who was built by Iron Man. He would he feels like an Iron Man villain now that I'm thinking about it. Like if that missile had said Stark Industries, he'd he'd be an MCU villain. <laughs> No, no, he's he's better than a lot of MCU villains. I, I like how dark they were willing to go with him. I like his final moment where he kills Susan Sarandon, which I did see coming. Like, there was a certain point in the movie, like, part of it was just the way Susan Sarandon's character kind of treated him. Like, there was a part of me that was like, I feel like at some point he's going to turn on her. There was a part of me that, like, recognized that, like, very immediately. Like, as soon as I realized what their actual dynamic was, I was like, "Eh, he's gonna kill her at some point. Uh, So there was a part of me that saw that coming. I really... What else is worth commenting on that's spoilery? Um, I thought it was cool there was a LexCorp building in the background of that one scene. Uh, That was cool as shit. Overall, I got to say I liked the movie. Thought it was good. It doesn't quite hit the emotionality in my opinion quite as hard as as The Flash did. It doesn't come at me as it it does it's not the enti- it's not as gripping as across the Spider-Verse. And now that I've seen uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie twice, um, I'm not sure it's. I'm not sure which movie has the better family dynamic. Actually, it might be Blue Beetle. That one's close. That one's a tough one. They both have a really good family dynamic. Um, Blue Beetle is better than Shazam, which I enjoyed, and also Quantum Mania which i also enjoyed although in fairness on the ant-man thing ant-man 2 dramatically lowered the bar for ant-man in my mind like compared to ant-man 2 quantum mania is a fucking masterpiece and the reality is that quantum mania is just okay uh so so there's so there's that uh Alright. I think that's all I got for spoilers. Thank you for uh, listening. Um, Yeah, all the stuff I said before the spoilers. You know, like the, the like, subscribe, check out the YouTube. All that jazz. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful whatever.